0: I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest is very special to me. It's my own mom, Linda Wilkinson. With Mother's Day this weekend, I wanted to take an episode to dive into the role of moms and parents in their athletes' lives. I realized that my mom got a lot of things right in how she raised me and guided me along my wildly successful athletic journey. And now I'm a mom of a passionate young athlete, and I want to guide her to be her very best as well. So it just makes sense to ask my own mom for advice and to find out how she navigated my crazy athletic journey that was full of twists and turns, valleys and mountaintops. I've heard it said that life doesn't come with a manual, it comes with a mom. So a real quick note to my mom before we start, thank you for loving me, for never giving up on me and always being there no matter the results. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. If you'd like a free guide on how to stay focused in competition or tips on gaining confidence in your sport, head on over to laurawilkinson.com slash learn and grab the free guide that you want or grab both. That's laurawilkinson.com slash learn. Before we get started, make sure you smash that subscribe button and give Pursuit of Gold a five-star review. And please tell your friends about this podcast so that we can continue to improve and grow to that next level, bringing you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. I have the absolute honor to welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast, my mom, Linda Wilkinson. Mom, Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I can't believe I actually talked you into doing this. I'm excited you're finally here. (laughs) Well, okay. I'm excited to walk through this together. One, because it'll just be fun to hear from your perspective, but I'm a mom now too. You're a Mimi. You're our grandma. So, you know, now I feel like I'm kind of walking in your shoes and what you've experienced raising a daughter who's passionate about sports with big goals and big dreams. So, I need to really pay attention and listen to uh, what you have to say. So mom, let's kind of start at the beginning. Like walk me through, you had a little bit of sports experience growing up. Like tell me what your time in sports
1: was like. Oh, well back in the (laughs) fifties, I loved the water and I went to the Y, the YWCA and they had a water ballet that I just loved, but it's nothing like the water ballet they do now.
0: Like synchronized swimming?
1: Well, no, water ballet. I guess you call it synchronized. Okay. Well, we called it water ballet. I guess it's synchronized swimming, Okay. but it was very simple stuff. We did accordions and leg lifts and a few more like Esther Williams from the the 40s and 50s. The old movies. If you look at that, that's the kind of, water ballet, we did. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And I was on the swim, on a local swim team when we lived in Galveston. So I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. So, And you did a little volleyball too, didn't you? I did that after I got out of high school. It's actually through a church program and all the different churches would get together and the ladies would play volleyball. And I really enjoyed that.
0: So were there a lot of options for sports growing up or not really?
1: not really. When I was in high school, it was like we did half court basketball because they felt like it was too hard for women to run the full court. So you'd have (laughs) half your team on one side of the court and half on the other side, and you couldn't cross the middle line. You had to pass the ball over to the other side. That's how we played (laughs) basketball. There was no softball in fact, in high school, when you get out your high school album, it's only men. It's only boys teams, the football, the basketball, the baseball. There were no women's sports featured in the high schools for women.
0: So did you kind of just accept that as part of life or like,
1: what? I mean, how did you feel about that? Just really didn't think about, about it that much. It's just what we did in PE, you know, PE, we'd play a little volleyball in PE. You know, we'd run track in PE, but we never went to track. You know, never went to a track meet to do anything. Never went to volley volleyball games against different schools. It was just against your teammates in your PE class. That's that was what your sport was.
0: Just how it was. So, what did you think about like as things started evolving in the years kind of following your high school and, and college time and stuff?
1: I really didn't think about it too much until you came along, and and of course gymnastics was very big in Houston with Coroli's Gymnastics Club being on our side of town and everything. And I know you were in second grade and there was a little a little gym that opened up like just a couple of blocks from the house. And I thought, well, you know, that'd be a good introduction for you. I was not going to take you to Coroli's. I said, you know, I wanted you to have fun when you did gymnastics. I wasn't in it for all the competitions, just for you to learn some skills and to have fun and to make friends
0: and and I think I did,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: but i I mean, I loved it. You know, I had those big goals right from the beginning. Like, what did you make of that? Was that kind of foreign to you, like not having that same kind of background or what, yeah, how did you process that?
1: Well, no, because things were on TV then, you know, girls were on TV, which they weren't when I was growing up. and And Mary Lou Retton, of course, was a star. And um, you just loved watching stuff on TV, the gymnastics on TV. So I knew, you know, I wanted you to have an opportunity to try it to see if you liked it.
0: That's cool. Well, and I did, and I and I wanted to be Mary Lou Retton, but um, I and I remember because I know that you started me in in that local gym just for fun, and and we ended up switching clubs later to the one I stayed at for a long time, flips, which I still love. I, I knew I, you know know all the coaches for my whole growing up and everything. They were super supportive even through my diving career. But I know a couple of times I did like ask about carolies and things like that, and you were still adamant about no, 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 we're not doing that. Like, was it still? Because even though I had changed and I had big goals at that point, like what went through your mind and why did you say no to it like later on down the line?
1: Well, Caroli's was known to be just a mill. Like they had so many kids, especially from out of state, wanting to come in and train with Caroli. And they had dorms and everything. And people would just, you know, leave their kids there and they would live, you know, the kids would live at Caroli's. And it was just like, you need that home structure. And I just... Didn't want that for you, and we'd go to a meet, and there would be like over almost 200 kids in your event in your age group, nine, you know, what was it, like nine, nine years old 11. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was ridiculous, and they were almost all of them were Carolis. and then you'd have this few small gyms that were competing. and you know, and it was just like, well, you know, if in Carolis, all the mothers felt like, well, at Carolis, you know, they have so many kids, and they run them through like a mill. Like if somebody gets hurt, well, they don't really care. They've just got somebody to take your place. And and I just didn't want that for you. I wanted it to be more personal and fun.
0: Yeah. And that's still like, because I know I tried to push this button a few times and like, because I wanted to be at that next level. Like, did you ever feel or worry that you were holding me back in some way?
1: You know, no, not really. Well, and like at the state at the uh, regional meet, and i know we were competing against all the caroli kids and um, you came in third on balance beam at that meet and that was a big deal because everybody else was from carolies and and there you were the only one that wasn't on Carole, in Corolis up on the stand and and i thought well you know you can get what you need elsewhere you don't need carolies
0: i love that that's cool so I mean, what did you think of my pursuits as a gymnast? Like, I know I, I love that you wanted me to have that good, you know, home life and and structure and fun, and not this extra pressure or be just one of a million kids. Like you wanted it to be kind of special, and I love that. But what did you think about my pursuits and and trying to be this, you know, Mary Lou Retton Olympic gymnast <laughs> growing up? Because I mean, I was okay, but I wasn't wasn't all that in a bag of chips or anything. <laughs>
1: You were a good gymnast, (laughs) but what I liked, I liked that you had a dream and you were a very determined young girl and you loved gymnastics and I could just see your concentration. I could just see you growing and you just learned a lot of skills, not just gymnastic skills, but you learned concentration. You learned perseverance. You learned a lot of skill sets. That would take you far, and you know, I felt like you know you may not make it to the Olympics, but you would be good at whatever you did. It's
0: cool. Well, I I love that you guys encouraged me in other ways too. Like Dad built a beam that we had in the middle of the living room (laughs) for a really long time.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love that people will come in and just like, "There's my beam next to the piano." (laughs) That's just the way we roll. (laughs) I mean, I thought that was cool because I thought to me. That showed me that you guys kind of believed in what I was doing too, and that you supported what I was doing, even just outside of letting me go and taking me there. I thought that was pretty cool. But what, like, when it came to the point when I was like in eighth grade or so, and I was wanting to quit, like, I think you were really good at making sure, like, I saw commitments through that I just didn't quit when I was like angry or whatever. Like, but how did you help me navigate if it was the right time to move on or should I stay in? Like, how did you kind of navigate that whole time?
1: Well, I know you had gotten real sick and you were out of gymnastics for quite a while. And then when you came back in, it was a struggle for you just to get back to where you were. And I knew it was frustrating for you. And I remember when you came, came to me and you asked me, mom, would you be upset if I quit gymnastics? And I said, no, Laura, I won't be upset. You've done this for five, six years, you know, and if you want, And I understand you're frustrated. And if you'd like to move on, I'm all for it.
0: Did you ever think that me being done during that frustration wasn't a good idea? Or were you kind of like, just thought you had seen like the
1: end of the time? I just thought it was the end of the time. Yeah, there were more signs.
0: Yeah. When I remember like, it was a a lot of things, but, and I remember you let me keep tumbling too, because I was like, I I still loved it. And I still wanted to flip, but I just didn't want to be committed to gymnastics. So you let me keep, doing a tumbling class for a while. And that was, I think, a really great transition because we started trying other things at that point, but I got to still do this thing that I love so much and because tumbling was my favorite part, you know, just getting to flip through the air. And I think that was really helpful in that. But like that time between like gymnastics and finding diving, I tried a bunch of different sports and I can't remember like, were you guys suggesting that for me? Was I asking to do that? Like, what was that whole time
1: like? I think we suggested you try some other things because you were good at sports. You know, you were you were very agile and um, stuff. And I know your friend in junior high was going to be on a softball team. And you thought, well, you know, and she asked if you'd like to be on the team with her. And I said, you know what, just give it a try for a season. So you tried softball and I think you had a good time, but I don't think it was your sport <laughs>
0: I think I quickly realized I was not a team sport person. <laughs> and I, I remember that being really hard too, because I didn't understand how you could have like one practice during the week and just show up to games, not knowing what you were doing. Cause I was used to practicing like
1: 30 plus hours a week. I was like,
0: how do we just show up and play a game? Like this doesn't make any
1: sense to me. And then you tried uh, track at school and junior high first season. But like you say, you just practiced at school during, I guess, PE time. And then you just showed up at the meet. So there wasn't, you weren't in a club. You didn't join a club. You just did it through the school. Yeah.
0: And we're trying to play tennis too with my friend. And I enjoyed tennis, but we just did mostly laughing. And I think that was (laughs) was (laughs) more of a fun uh, social gathering for me (laughs) finding my sport. (laughs) Good times. So how I guess when I found so I did drill team my freshman year. So it was more like the dance team. So I was kind of tapping into some of my gymnastics background with ballet and the, the just the dance side of things. But I guess I was still looking at that point. And I remember, you know, seeing a, a friend from church or something that had joined the high school diving team and thinking, well, gosh, I could do that. But we didn't really know where to go or how to do that. And we ran into some ex-gymnast friends, I think. And that's how we found out about the Woodlands Athletic Center, right?
1: Yes. That's correct. And uh, so I, I took you up there to meet Kenny Armstrong and we talked to him and, and he had you get on the board and and just do a, I don't know, what do you call that? you,
0: you just Like a lineup, just, yeah,
1: fall in. The lineup on the end of the board on one meter and all. And then he had you go up to three meter and I was just freaking out. I was going, that's so high, <laughs> I don't go up to three meter. And he had you do the same thing.
0: <laughs> Did you not even look to the other side of the pool where the towers were?
1: (laughs) And then when he was through, he was like, well, I want you on my team. And I was like, really? (laughs) I was just (laughs) amazed.
0: That's so funny. I remember afterward, you're going, I think he was trying to intimidate you, putting you on that big high board.
1: (laughs) I do remember telling you, you know, well, you don't have to do the, the big tall board. You can just do the the springboard. You don't have to go up there on those platforms.
0: <laughs> yeah, thus begins the journey of my mom not watching me dive. Well, <laughs> cool. so what advice would you give to maybe other athletes or parents for what to do when they're leaving one sport that maybe they've been in for a long time or they're, you know, kind of struggling with what to do next? Like, what would you suggest to them?
1: Just to, to go out and try something new. You never know and until you try. It's sort of like a, a Rayla in volleyball you know, she just, I don't know how that happened, but I know y'all just started her in that. She tried, she tried diving earlier mm-hmm. and.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My daughter <laughs> dove for about two years and was like, I don't think this is my sport. <laughs> so we, yeah. we tried a bunch of things and the pandemic interfered and, but you know, yes. we kept we just kept trying different stuff until, yeah, we find we just did like a random camp, a volleyball camp. And she was like, Ooh, I like this. And so we, Signed up for like a little three-month, you know, kind of prep program. And yeah, she just fell in love with that sport. And I just finished her first year on the team here and super passionate. And yeah, but she's tried a bunch of things. So
1: yeah, I just encourage you to let your child try something new and different. And don't just do it for one. you know, if they want to try something, do it for a season. Like if mm-hmm. it's a three-month or a 6 weeks class or something, not just one class. And then, oh, I don't like this. You know, you've got to give it... You're not going to be good at it when you first try something.
0: (laughs) Right. You got to give it a little time and see for sure. For sure. I like that. And I think it's important too to note that like your kid may be really good at something, but doesn't enjoy it. You know, like Arela was great at diving, but it just wasn't her thing. And then she was great starting out in gymnastics, but she quickly didn't like it. Like she was looking for more interaction with people. And I think she needed more of a team sport. So she was really good at those things. But it wasn't her thing. And so I'm really thankful we kept looking and kind of trusted that even though she had the skill set, she made, you know, finished her commitment that we asked her to do and and was like, okay, I'm ready to move on. So I, th- I think that's important to note too, because kids are going to have skill sets for maybe a lot of different things, but they need to find the thing that lights them up, right? And and I know gymnastics yes. and diving did that for me and the other sports didn't. And that, that's what I see from Arela when she starts volleyball. I mean, she that's all she wants to do. She's always got a ball in her hand at the house. She's always bouncing it everywhere. And and that's just totally her thing. So I, I think that's an important thing too, for sure. So I want to ask you this, because when I first started diving, we were on that club team with Kenny, you know, and I was quickly progressing. But that first year, I also did join our high school diving team. And that was an experience. And, you know, right after we were done competing, I got kicked off the team. I was told I was a waste of space. You know, I was threatened that if I didn't leave the class, my grades would be lowered. That was really hard. Like, how did you navigate that? And how would you recommend navigating those tough moments like for a parent when they're seeing their child go through something really difficult like that?
1: Yeah, that was a difficult time. And as I recall, you had finished your season and you only had six weeks of class left. He was asking everybody to sign up for next year and you wouldn't commit. You wouldn't say yes and you wouldn't say no. No. And somebody let it slip and told the coach that you were not going to do it next year. And he got really mad and he kicked you off the team. And I was real upset. And I wanted to go to the principal and talk to the principal about because he kicked you off the team. He didn't want you in there. So you weren't going to get your credit, Mm -hmm. your half credit that you needed for PE to graduate. You were adamant. You said, mom, please don't go to the assistant principal or the principal she said I'm just going to go to study hall I just don't want to deal with this but I was I was mad but I respected you and that's the way you wanted to handle it so I did not go to the principal or anything and yeah cuz yeah, I remember I, was, I
0: remember talking to a counselor too and he was just like well don't go to the class like I mean it was just like it wasn't even like a choice I was just really frustrated yeah But what would you suggest for other parents that are walking through that kind of tough time with their kids? Like, what's a good way to handle that?
1: Well, to listen to your child's frustration. And like, I wanted to go over the coach's head to the principal. But, you know, in talking with you, I was telling you what I was wanting to do. And you were saying, no, mom, I don't want you to do that. I listened to you. And I think parents need to listen to their kids, really listen to your kids, what they're saying. and you know, respect their opinions. You were the end of the ninth grade, you you end of sophomore year. I was into my sophomore. Well, year. That's right. That's yeah. right. You was the end of this sophomore year. Yeah. And so you had been in sports and stuff. So I just decided to abide by your decision.
0: That's cool. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's not easy. Cause I know we want to go all mama bear. <laughs>
1: all yes. and It's, it's hard not
0: to sometimes, but there are times and places where we can fight those battles and times, like you said, where we need to respect our child and let them walk through their journey. Right. And it's, I think that's right. important because it's hard. Like we want to save our kids, but sometimes they have to fall down in order to learn how to get back up on their own. I think that's something that you and dad just have done really well for me that you you were always there and supported me. But you guys let me kind of walk my own journey a lot. You let me fall. You let me get back up. You know, I get parents a lot saying, How do I make my kid more passionate? How do I make my kid more passionate? I'm like, You can't do that to your kid. Like, it has to come from your kid. And part of that is when you get knocked down, if you are fighting to get back up, you're learning real quick how important this thing is to you. You know, if you want to get back up and you want to keep fighting, like, that's what grows the passion. If you don't, it probably doesn't matter that much to you, you know? So I think that is a big gift that you guys gave me. And it wasn't that you were just like, wall and not there. Like you were there supporting me every step, but you were very hands-off to my journey.
1: Well, I remember one time when Kenny started these, what, 4.30 practices in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. And you were yeah. like, mom, I want to do this. Well, you were like, what, 30 to 40 minutes from the swimming pool. <laughs> so you had to get up like at three o'clock in the morning and get on Interstate 45. And this was every day.
0: No, it was twice a week. It wasn't quite this twice dramatic. <laughs> it, okay, was at,
1: it was twice a week. It was at 5
0: a.m., but I had to leave before 4.30 because it was first come, first served to get in the belt on the trampoline. And all the other kids lived like five minutes from the pool. So I had to get up and leave super early to try to beat them there so that I could get in line because then I yeah. had to, as soon as it was over, I had to bolt it back a half an hour to the high school to not be late.
1: And I just remember, you know, say, Mom, I want to do this. And I'm going, oh, gosh, <laughs> out there in the dark on the freeway. And I was going, OK, Laura, if you want to do this, it's fine. But I'm not waking you up. Hmm. you got to wake yourself up and go. And I would hear you getting up in the morning. I mean, I woke up every time, but I did not get out of bed. Hmm. But I could hear you going out the door.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I kept thinking that I like this is funny to hear because I thought you
1: were waking me up. So I did that on my own. <laughs> You did that on your own.
0: Okay. I was more
1: motivated than I thought. All
0: right. Yeah. That's
1: why I thought, (laughs) I thought she's really into this. And then you were always late coming home in the evenings. I think you stayed later than you were supposed to.
0: <laughs> I did. We would stay after practice. He would let us play in the corner of the pool. So we would just like flip and stuff. But I mean, that's where we like learned a lot was playing and watching the the more elite divers would come in after us. So I we used to stay and watch them. And so, you know, kind of study them and pretend to be them on the side of the pool. And yeah, that's pretty much what we were doing every <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Okay, so I got successful pretty quickly once I started diving. I mean, within a couple of years, you know, by my senior year in high school, I had made World Cup, I was on the national team, like, you know, colleges were recruiting me, like it was kind of a crazy quick uptick like that. How did you navigate me kind of skyrocketing into this success? You know, like that had to be very different because I wasn't like that in gymnastics. This was obviously a very different level we had experienced before.
1: Yeah, it was surprising. But I was just so happy for you that you had found such success in your sport. And I don't know, you were just, it was just your sport. So we just encouraged you and we're, tried to make the meets we could. I mean, sometimes you were flying out of state and we couldn't go, you know. And so that was difficult, but you'd always call and let us know how you did.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys got your van too. At some point you started road tripping everywhere too. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> we always the road trip family. So it came to a point, I remember my senior year in high school, you know, I had committed to a college. Well, and first of all, let's back up. Let's talk about like getting recruited to college because, and that's happening earlier and earlier now, like in, in my day, <laughs> back in my day, it was our senior year. We were kind of recruited starting that summer and a lot of us signed in November of our senior year. Now it's happening a year earlier. Like juniors are committing November of their junior wow. year, which is, yeah, it's crazy. Just these new rules coming in. But like what is that process like as, you know, your kid is trying to figure out school and you're being recruited. Like, do you have suggestions for parents and athletes on how to kind of navigate that process?
1: Mm, that's hard.
0: Just think about your own experience and in, in this walking through that. I mean, because yeah. we had a lot of offers, but we only looked at three, you know?
1: Yeah, there were more that, that, um, that called. You got a lot of calls. And then there were some that would call and then they'd call again and, and you'd say, you just shake your head. No, you didn't want to talk to him. So I just, you know, tell him, I'm sorry, you weren't available to talk. And
0: <laughs> wasn't a big phone person. <laughs> Still not. <laughs> oh, that's
1: funny. Yes. And then you had some coaches that came like twice to the house to visit you. And some of them did put quite a bit of pressure on you. But uh, anyway, you just have to take a deep breath and just kind of write down the pros and cons of each school and um, the coach and the school and especially if you know what you want to do in college, you didn't you didn't really have a major or, or something you were particularly interested in. So that wasn't a criteria for you. But for a lot of athletes that know what they want to do after they're finished with their sport, you know, that could be play an important part in where you go to school is what you want to major in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) My poor mom, you guys, I stress her out all the time. I've never had like a normal life plan. So it's okay if you want to go outside the system, guys. You can make it work. I promise. (laughs) Well, you know, and I have a lot of things to jump into, but this is kind of a side note, but like I went through kind of a really dark period in college as a lot of us are figuring out who we are. And and I struggled with a lot of things and we were losing a lot of loved ones close to us. Um, There were a really hard couple of years there. And it was really cool to me because there came a point where I kind of recommitted my life to God in the middle of all of that. And what I found out after doing that and talking to you and dad about everything is I had no idea you had your like entire Sunday school class of like, I don't know how there was a ton of you guys in your 55 plus, you know, encouragers class. I remember that was your name. And you had all these people praying for me for a long time. And you knew I was struggling, but I had no idea. And I really think that just was a game changer for my life. And it was so cool because I remember not knowing where to go. I didn't really have like a, a church community and in, in school. And so I would come back on some of the weekends and go to church with you guys to your 55 plus group, you know, age groups, you know, Sunday school class. And here I am this like 20 year old kid. And I loved it because I have never felt more welcomed into a group in my entire life. And I did not fit the demographic at all. But these people and you, because you led that, you know, they never stopped praying. They never gave up on me and my walk. and that was really powerful to me. And I just, from a mom's perspective, like what led you to ask them to pray for me and your just devotion, like as a mom and committed to knowing what your boundaries were, what you could talk to me about what you couldn't, but you were always there in this way. And it, it really did change
1: everything for me. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> well, I'd um, like to
0: hear Yeah, I'd like to hear it from your perspective. Like, what was that time like?
1: Well, our church group, our small church group, we were just very, very close. And we, we just prayed for each other and we prayed for our children, you know, and they were watching you on TV. They'd watch you on TV and they'd ask about you. And I don't know, they just took you in as one of their own children and loved you. And I know it was uh, when you were going off to the Olympics and they had that little thing at the pool and everybody in our Sunday school class showed up for that little demo you were doing just Mm -hmm. before you left. And I was so surprised and touched that they all came to that. That was a sweet time, but it's just the power of prayer. And especially when you have friends that will pray with you and, and help you and help your children through their journey. It's just something special.
0: Yeah. I just love that you guys were always there with open arms, no matter what I was going through. I, you know, bottom of the barrel, top of the world, it didn't matter. Like you guys were, always there with open arms. And I think that's just really uh, kind of a prodigal son moment sometimes, you know? So I think just to remind parents that like your kids are gonna have their ups and downs and just always have those open arms for them is really special, so.
1: Well, I'll have to say this one thing. You may wanna <laughs> Uh-oh. not use this. <laughs> I just remember one meet; you did not have a good meet, And I went up to you and said, oh, you did a good job. And you said, mother, I did not do a good job. Don't say that. And that really said, okay, she knows, you know, I was just trying to encourage you, but that's not what you wanted to hear.
0: Just be in there. Sometimes we we know, we know, but just, just to be there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. So there was another important moment in college, not just the getting to college part, but I decided at one point I was debating on whether to leave my college scholarship. So I had a year left of school, but the Olympics were around the corner. And, you know, that had been my goal since I wanted to be Mary Lou Retton. And I was talking about, because we didn't have all the fancy Olympic waivers and red shirts and all that stuff. It was only if you were injured, you could get a a red shirt. And so I was debating on leaving my college scholarship and dad was full on board. He's like, yeah, let's go for it. And you were like, hold on here. (laughs) You you were not a fan of this idea.
1: (laughs) No, no, I wasn't.
0: (laughs) So why weren't you a fan of this idea? And what made you finally come around to saying, okay, okay.
1: Well, I guess it's because I never graduated from college. I did not finish college. And I know how important college is. It just opens a lot, lot of doors for you, if you when you graduate. And I didn't want you to leave school and not come back. So I made you promise that you would, if you left school, you left your scholarship, that you would come back and finish. And you did promise me that.
0: Yeah. You knew I'd be
1: good to my word? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, you guys. I graduated. (laughs) But it was hard for you because I knew all your friends would have graduated because you were a senior. Mm -hmm. And so all your friends that you went through the first three years of diving with at UT, you know, they would all be gone.
0: And most of them were. But I also knew how important it was to, to get that little sheet of paper and you know, we went da- back and buckled down and, and got through it and was able to get some some grants and things to finish school, which was was very cool. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee does a good job of offering tuition assistance and things like that because they know a lot of Olympians make sacrifices. And so they, they want to help make sure they get off on the right foot, you know, after their careers as well. So that was a really cool opportunity for me to be able to get that tuition assistance and, and finish, even though I didn't have a scholarship anymore. So there are multiple ways to get around stuff. So (laughs) we have definitely learned that, I think. Well, watching the transition from college to pro to injury to mountaintops to starting all over and going for more Olympics, like what was that like as a mom watching? Because now I'm not your little girl and you're not really helping me make those decisions. You're watching me make these choices and do these things. Like what was kind of watching all of that journey like from your perspective?
1: Well, it was a joy. It was a joy to watch you just getting stronger and stronger after you left college and just doing more difficult dives and having success. Yeah. And then there were times when like the bottom fell out and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and to see you struggle a little bit, but you were just so determined and you just persevere through all the lows. And I just admire you for that. And people ask me, you know, and I said, "It's she j- just can persevere through everything. That's your trait. You just never give up. So that was, I don't know, it just something I admired in you. And I thought you've just grown to be such a, a fine young woman. And I was very proud of you. Oh.
0: What was it like being at, at the Olympic Games? <laughs> Especially the very first one. What was that the like? The first
1: Cause... one was, it was nerve wracking. And I mean, and I couldn't watch you dive. I just... Not that
0: she ever really did, but... <laughs> Just so you guys know, my mom's trademark, and she's on TV so much, covering her eyes while I'm going. And then as soon as I hit the water, she's clapping,
1: going, Was it good? Was it good? Well, at least I got to watch the reruns up on the big screen. But (laughs) I was better than some moms who actually left the building while their kid died. They just walked out and then would come back. (laughs) <laughs> I at least
0: stayed in my right. seat. <laughs> you sat in the building. All right, mom, we'll give you a little credit. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember one time I asked you to open your eyes and watch because I had learned a really hard dive and I was so excited. And you opened your eyes and I totally ate it. And you're like, I'm never watching again. <laughs> so fair. But like, what was, I mean, you traveled to Australia. I know, I mean, dad had a stroke right before the Olympics and stuff. So that was kind of a crazy time too. But we got there like... We're all there. We're in one piece. Like you're watching the event. Like, I mean, did you understand the gravity of what was happening in that moment?
1: Just the finals were just incredible. And was it your third dive? When you hit your third dive, it was like, oh, wow. And that was when we realized you might get a bronze, you know. But I knew it was all up to that fourth dive, the one you had injured your foot on. So I was just praying for the Lord to just to be with you. And I know. Everybody at home was praying for you, and it was just like when you hit that last that dive, it was just yeah it was just amazing, and all the relief that came and after that fourth dive, we knew for sure you would meddle, we just didn't know what place, but we felt pretty sure you because your last dive is usually a really good dive for you and and then when you hit that that last dive and and the other girls were just not hitting their dives like you were, you know, it was just, it was just amazing. (laughs) It was such an emotional time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel that. (laughs) Like you're over here. I've got tears streaming down my face watching you get emotional from it. Um,
1: Yeah. It's cool to to
0: know that that was the moment that was so, so powerful for you guys too. Cause that's what I think changed everything for me too. So it was a big.
1: Yeah. And everybody around us, they were mostly Australians, but they knew, because we get so excited when you were diving, they knew who, you know, who we were rooting for. So they were rooting for you too. All the Aussies were rooting for you.
0: Well, it was kind of cool. Something happened because like, I think there was only one Australian in the finals, but she wasn't having the best meet. She was kind of at the bottom of the 12. And so they kind of all rallied around me. And so it was cool. And I didn't really realize it until like the last dive that like the entire stadium was like, like just electric and on fire when I was up there. It was, it was awesome. It was so overwhelming, you know, like, you had these dreams as an athlete, like, yes, you want to perform, you want to do things to a certain ability and you want to win the medal and all that stuff. But like, I'd always dreamed of being the crowd favorite. Like there's something special about that because it transcends your score, your time or your place. Like there's something a little more special about that. And it was really cool to like, kind of have that moment, you know, but... It was really funny, though, having Rob, my, you know, my brother next to you guys during that and like, because there's 17,000 people screaming in that stand, but I could still hear Rob going, that's my sister, like over everybody in the stadium. I was like, that's where my family is right there. But but yeah, for me and the family of the athletes, you guys were sitting on the complete other side of the arena, too. I mean, yeah. You yes, probably... we did not have
1: good seats. <laughs>
0: no. But but you had great seats for the awards so that was pretty yes. cool. Yeah. So I mean did it kind of take a little while for it to hit you guys that like that was reality and we just won the Olympic games afterward or were you kind of like okay that was awesome like <laughs> what did I mean I feel I feel like it was surreal like
1: I don't know how you experienced it. Oh no it was pretty instantaneous. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, was... But I just remember we were trying to get down to, and we were up so high and we were running down to try and touch your hand and all before, after the awards or before the awards. And
0: it was right after, I think.
1: Yeah. Right after. And so the rest of the family, they all got past the guards and the guard wouldn't let me go. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally she said, Oh, go on. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I got to, <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Oh, I love it. It's so cool. Yeah, we have been through a lot together. We've been at 3 Olympics together. You guys came to all of them, you know, through the the good, the bad and the ugly. You were there for all of it. We did have an instance one time, there was a period of time where there was some animosity between me and another family just with something that was happening with with a synchronized team being put together. I and mean, we we have since, you know, cleared the air and everything is is good, but at that time it was really bad and I remember you came to a national championships to watch me and you were getting heckled. And I didn't know this at the time, but like, I'm out there diving and you're getting heckled in the stands at that time. Like, and I just feel awful because like what was going on with me was now affecting you, you know, in a negative way. How did you
1: react to all of that? How did you handle all of that? I was just shocked kind of, you know, when it happened, but I just stayed quiet. I was not going to respond or react to what they were saying. And I just... Sat there. I had a couple of friends on each side of me, and that helped to have because dad couldn't be there because he was working. Mm-hmm. So a couple of my friends traveled with me to watch the meet, and, and they all just sat there too. You know, we just stayed in solidarity with each other. And
0: I'm, I'm thankful they were there with you because that's not an easy thing to handle. So by choosing not to react, I mean, I think that's probably the, the best thing you could have done because you gave no fuel to the fire and you kind of just took the wind from that person's sails. Like, how do you, because I feel like I go to volleyball competitions and now we've got parents just screaming at kids, screaming at other players, screaming at refs, you know, and you hear that in other sports as well. What advice do you give to parents? You know, like if they're being directly heckled or if they don't think something just is going on, like, how do you best handle that?
1: Just to not give in to that heckling and just to rise above it. And I think the best way to rise above it is just to be quiet and do your thing and let things play out.
0: What about if you're seeing like, you know, you feel like it's unjust judging
1: or bad ref calls? Like, what do you do with that? There's not much you can do about that. That's just the way the game is. And especially in diving where it's, it's not like who's first past the finish line, you know, it's a lot of it's style and all that. So you just have to accept it. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. You got to let go
0: of the things you can't control, right? Right. I think that's important even for parents, because the way the parents handle it, it affects the kids in several ways, you know, because it could embarrass them. It could make them angry. It could make them upset. It could make them feel like they're not doing something right. Like it can play out in not healthy ways for your kids. And while I think it's hard for parents sometimes to sit there when they feel like injustice is happening with their children like you said, you have to kind of rise above it. If you can't control it, you can't control it. If there's a serious problem with the system or the way things are doing, you know, you handle it at that level. But I think just, yeah, screaming out things, at other parents or at athletes, you know, it what coaches. is that? <laughs> right. Coaches. Yes. poor coaches. I mean, what does it do? It doesn't help. It doesn't change. It just oh. looks bad on you. And then it starts to look bad on your kid, you know, because they're going to be associated with that, you know, so that's feel like you guys always have handled yourself well even in in just tough situations like that so again you guys my parents they're people who don't just tell you how to live like they they walk the walk you see their example you know they just live by it and i think that's what makes them trustworthy and that's what makes their advice so good is that you see them walking that out and i try to do that I now try to be the example that I'm trying to teach my kids or the athletes I'm coaching or whatever. I'm trying to be that example for them because I can talk to them till I'm blue in the face. But if they see what I'm doing, sometimes that speaks louder, and makes a bigger impression. And I think you and dad have done that for me. And I'm, I'm super thankful for that. But, you know, when I was about 39, after I had retired for a long time, <laughs> we had a few kids. I told you I wanted to dive again. And do you remember how you reacted? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to remember. (laughs) I think your first question was, do I have to come to your meets? (laughs) I think you were like, I've paid my dues. I remember you saying, I'll just stay home with the kids. Okay. And I was like, my kids are coming to the meets. (laughs) What did, did you think I was just crazy at that point? Yes. A little. (laughs) And so, so what were your thoughts as I I came back as an adult with children, as a mom, myself, you know, what did you think about that whole pursuit? You can be honest. It's okay. I thought you were a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) As I kept going, did you still think I was crazy? No,
1: but it's just in your blood.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you love what you do. You don't want to be done. Right. Right. (laughs) Did you come to any of those meets? Yes, I did. Yes, she did. Okay. see, she said I didn't want to come, but she still came because she's still my mama, even though she's Mimi and she's grandma. She's still my mama and wanted to come to the meets. And I'm so glad she did. Well, mom, what other advice do you have to parents raising young athletes? Do you have any good advice that you would give to those parents?
1: Just be there to support them. Like you said earlier, you can't do it for them. They have to have the desire within. And if the desire is not there, there's really nothing you can do. And I remember when I went with you after you'd won and you'd been to several events and parents would be coming up to me and asking me, what did you do <laughs> for your daughter to win the gold medal? And I was going, what did I do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you just, you're just there. You just cheer them on and support them and uh, let your athlete and coach do their thing.
0: Did I win every single time that I was
1: up there? No, you didn't.
0: <laughs> did I probably lose more times than I won?
1: Yes, you you lost more than you won.
0: And did you love me when I lost?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Yes. So athletes, if you're listening, your parents love you, whether you win or lose, they're going to support you, whether you win or lose, they just want to be your biggest cheerleader. And sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we don't know how to do it, but we're all learning. And if if your parent is listening to this podcast, they love you and they're learning how to be a great advocate for you and a great supporter of you. Yes. And but they're going to love you no matter what you do, no matter how you finish. Your, Your value is not on your place on the podium, for sure. Your value is because you are you. Now, When I became a mom, now, mom, I don't know if you felt like this, but when I became a mom, I kind of felt a little bit like, okay, my time is done. And now it's all about the kids. And I have to solely focus on the kids and the kind of like, almost like my life is over a little bit, you know? But I kind of found out that that wasn't really true. Like, did you ever feel like that
1: a little bit? No, it's like you're a parent, you have a life of your own also. So you need to do your own thing also and then be there to support your kids.
0: Yeah. That's well said. And I don't know where I got that in my head that it like has to be all about them now. Because what I learned is when I started doing things, you know, the kids come alongside you and they make you stronger and they make you braver. And I feel like they kind of helped me, you know, become more than I was. You know, they helped me on that next journey and they encouraged me and inspire me. And, you know, and I'm hoping I'm being an example for them on how to do hard things, you know, no matter what your situation is. Um, Cool. Well, mom, thank you so much for letting me drag you on here today. You're awesome. I love you so much. You're a great example for all of us raising kids that have big dreams. Thanks, mom. I love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.